Hey, welcome. Glad to have you with us. It is six minutes after the hour. Telephone number here is 800-529-5572 or 874-9390. You can get a hold of me. Uh, just uh, send a message uh, from GaryNolan.com. It'll pop up right here in studio. In the studio, speaking of that, Scott Van Kirk, a man who likes to disassemble firearms every time he's in the studio. Good morning, Mr. Van Kirk. Good morning, sir. How are you? I am doing well. Uh, and, uh, of course, uh, our sponsor uh, this uh, this program is Larry Wayland from Modern Arms. At the Brown Station location. Good morning, Gary. Good morning. All right, coming up this morning, uh, one of the dumbest analogies for gun control I've ever heard. It is, as we say on this program, dumber than stupid. And then selling a used firearm can be complicated. Uh, an admonition for gun owners trying to... Uh, buy and sell firearms, and uh, they're just not going to enforce those laws here. But first, we kick it off with the Biden administration doing something that I find entirely uh, idiotic. It's incredibly confusing. President Biden, as we all know, issued a mass pardon for people who have uh, low-level marijuana crimes against them. Didn't affect a lot of people, but it essentially said marijuana consumption, no big deal. Am I, does, that, does that sound like uh, the conclusion that the, the administration made? It sure does. I mean, to, I to pardon them, you know. And there were so few people can, yeah, right, because uh, that, I, that, that were affected by that conviction. Right. So it made a great press release, but it didn't let a lot of people out, did it? No. Well, I mean, I used to work federal level drug cases, and in order to submit a case to the feds that was based purely on marijuana you needed a truckload of <laughs> marijuana <laughs> yeah but the point is the message the message was we're not going to enforce our drug laws yeah oh, marijuana yeah. is it's just not that big deal yeah so why then would the administration turn around and say you can't buy a gun if you smoke marijuana and argue because it's against the law <laughs> it's against the law we want to enforce. It's purely, it's, that's just as consistent as anything else I've ever heard. Yeah, so yeah, it, it's just, it's just don't break the laws that they really want to enforce. Because uh, the ones they want to enforce, you, you're going to hang for. Uh, the ones that, you know, they, you know, like Missouri just passed the the uh, the, the uh, Constitutional Amendment number three, uh, the weed, or, weed ordinance, right? So yeah. now you'll have uh, recreational marijuana in Missouri, but that's still against federal law. The feds could say, whoa, 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 you can't do that. That's against federal law. But there's already a lot of states that do it. And the feds just turn their head and go, eh, whatever, you know, no big deal. But if somebody in Kansas wants to make a suppressor and sell it just to another individual in Kansas, well, the feds really get uptight about that. So no. it's which laws do they want to enforce? Yeah, and that's, 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 that's the, that'll be the downfall of our, of our republic. But essentially the message he said is cannabis consumption, marijuana consumption should be should not be treated as though it's a crime. And then the administration defends a federal ban on gun possession by marijuana users arguing the Second Amendment rights are limited to law-abiding citizens. Well, this is two different messages from the same administration. Completely consistent, yes. That's, yes. That's, that's the message they're driving is we'll just enforce the laws we want to. Either one of you guys at all concerned if the Democrats manage to get more seats 
in the Senate and control the House with regard to firearms? Yeah, really concerned. <laughs> <laughs> because the, um, the, the fella at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue has already said he will push for another assault weapons ban. And that's, uh, you know, without control of the House or the Senate, it, it seems as though they'll, they'll push that through. It's, it's, a, it's a huge concern. It's crazy making. The, they're just not giving up. Uh, but then uh, I guess it's what we've grown to expect. Yeah. Uh, uh, speaking of uh, of that political dynamic, uh, go Republicans. You could not have done any worse if you tried <laughs> in the midterm elections. <laughs> well, I, I, I don't want to turn this into the weekday show, but I, th I think uh, there is a reason why many of these Republican candidates didn't make it. Uh, first, at the, at the uh, Senate level, senators should have disavowed Lindsey Graham's suggestion that they make this a federal law uh, regarding abortion, uh, because that drove a majority of single women to the Democrat Party. They should have stood up and said, look, I'm pro-life. We fought for 50 years to make this a state issue. And I am not going to make this a federal issue. This is not something I have control of. You do in your state. And that, I think, would have helped a lot of the Republican Senate candidates. Uh, and then uh, there was a problem with uh, many of the candidates. They were endorsed by a former president. And they weren't particularly good candidates. Uh, and so they struggled. So, so the Republicans uh, really didn't do a particularly good job to to uh, underscore uh, Scott's observations. I stand by my statement. Yeah. They could not have done worse if they <laughs> set out to lose. Oh, Lord. All right, we got a lot of stories here. One of them uh, dealing with uh, law enforcement saying that they're just not going to work that deal. Uh, this is up in Oregon. Sheriffs are uh, not willing to enforce a magazine ban. Uh, Union County Sheriff Cody Bowen posted to social media, applauding and jumping on board with another sheriff's statement. As Union County Sheriff, I agree 100% with Sheriff Duncan. This is an infringement on our constitutional rights and will not be enforced by my office. Here, here. Um, yeah. You know, it's... When they were pushing for gun control, everybody, you know, in the hierarchy in law enforcement, I think, uh, were, were fighting against it. But they, I see... At least it seems to me they've almost all come around and decided that gun control just doesn't work. But it kind of makes you just a little bit proud of these guys, doesn't it? It makes me absolutely proud of the yeah. sheriffs, you know, that took a, uh, and swore in their oath to uphold the Constitution and take it upon themselves, say, yeah, this law is unconstitutional. And I, I think that you'll find that in, in the court rulings also. Um, I, they are proper. And by, you know, choosing to not defend, uh, not, not enforce that law it's the same thing you know which laws are we going to enforce that that inconsistency is is really dangerous and but i'm i'm proud of them for taking that stand but we just need now to eliminate that law that 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 is unenforceable and should not be enforced it should be eliminated well now that the uh i mean realistically if jump back to the national level but now now that the now that the congress and the senate are controlled by the supposed pro-gun republican party we'll get that thrown passed through am amazingly <laughs> <laughs> oh no okay no. <laughs> yeah. i don't want to sound skeptical bud 
Uh, Malheur County Sheriff Brian Wolf said in an interview that he also doesn't intend to enforce the magazine capacity limits. It's just the way it's going to be. We've already made that decision, he said. The supreme law of the land is constitutional. Is a, is a constitution of the United States, and I believe that this measure is totally contrary to the Constitution. I can just imagine how that frosts the buns of every progressive who voted for that law. Well, and there and there really isn't much they'll be able to do with it on the state level. I mean, they could have, I guess, whatever the equivalent of their state law enforcement agency is, troopers or their patrol or their criminal investigation division or whatever, um, taking enforce, taking taking the enforcement, enforcement act, lead on that, taking enforcement action. In <clears throat> and, those but that's going to that's going to be widely symbolic because they're not going to have the have the, the, the manpower, the resources to do it. Right, that, that local. Yeah, yeah so. it, it's it's the it's the double edged sword that that sheriff elections are the political nature of a, of the office of sheriff yeah. by by virtue of election. You're going to see that the vast majority of rural sheriffs are tend to be Second Amendment neutral or pro Second Amendment, which generally will take either one at this point yeah <laughs> um and you're going to see metropolitan area sheriffs are generally anti-gun in uh, order to maintain their the, the, the political position oh yeah. absolutely or right. they and or they actually believe that um but it that the, in this case that sword cuts well for us is yes that they are they are going to be politically independent and realistically Sheriffs can't stop the state, nor the federal government, or anyone else from enforcing their state state level and federal level laws within their county. But they can take a stand for what they have jurisdiction over, and that's yeah. their own agencies. You know, it, it seems to me that I recall in, in most states, sheriffs are the uh, supreme law enforcement agents, uh, and I and I thought that in most states, even the federal government has to get their permission. No, 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 no. not not a, not to a, enforce a, federal law. Yeah, no. not to enforce federal law. No, yeah, not to enforce it, but to come and act. I don't know. No, they no. Can, federal the federal government can go anywhere in the United it's States. The biggest yeah. biggest bear goes where he wants. That's, right. Yeah. 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 All right. Uh, so anyway, uh, in Albuquerque, uh, they're just not uh, happy. Uh, with gun owners. We'll cover that ground next. It's Gary on Guns. Hey, welcome. Glad to have you with us. Glad to be with you. 874-9390, toll-free, 800-529-5572. Scott Van Kirk with us, former law enforcement firearms trainer. Uh, excellent, by the way, uh, firearms trainer. And uh, then we've got uh, Larry Wayland in from Modern Arms. At the Brown Station location. And uh, coming up, uh, Albuquerque has some uh, sh harsh words. Uh, according to Bearing Arms, for gun owners. We'll go over that. Uh, in the meantime, uh, in support of Scott Van Kirk, uh, the question asked how do constitutional sheriffs who claim to be the supreme law enforcement officers in their county overcome Article 6, Clause 2 of the Constitution, the Supremacy Clause, uh, Attorney uh, an, an attorney responded, they don't. The whole constitutional sheriff movement is just a recent extension of the Freeman movement, sovereign citizen movement, patriot movement, none of which have any basis in actual law in any state, county, city, or federal sense. They don't overcome anything because they simply ignore the existence of laws they don't like, uh, but they don't have any power over any federal agency that wants to come in and act. Uh, so, there you go. Support for uh, Scott Van Kirk, let me move on because apparently in uh, in Albuquerque, 
they had an editorial in the paper about guns. And this is going to raise, I think, some interesting questions. And we have a story that kind of relates to this. Albuquerque, they write, has a serious gun crime problem. And while the criminals who wield these guns in everything from robberies to carjackings to homicides are unquestionably to blame, there are thousands of law-abiding gun owners unwittingly contributing to the problem as well as too many individuals posing as gun buyers only to flip them to felons and minors who can't legally purchase them. So our community needs every law-abiding gun owner and firearms seller to step up and help ensure their firearms don't fall into criminal hands. On average, three to four guns are stolen in Albuquerque every day. Most of the 1,100 to 1,400 guns stolen annually are taken from homes and vehicles. Only a fraction are recovered. Many of the 6,000 guns stolen uh, in Albuquerque since 2018 have been used in property and violent crimes. There have been 112 homicides in the city this year. How many are the result of stolen guns is anyone's guess. But as of last week, 887 guns had been stolen in the city. It bears repeating that criminals are the ones responsible for committing crimes, for stealing guns and using them in the commission of other crimes. But gun ownership comes with responsibilities that include securing the weapons so it doesn't easily fall into criminal hands. So... Um, should there be a responsibility for gun owners, uh, a legal price to pay if they don't, and, and this is where it gets tricky, if they don't engage in some reasonable gun safety or security? No. no. Um, they, they should not face prosecution for being the victim of a crime. If, if, my, if my gun is locked in my house and someone breaks into my house and steals my gun, how many locks should I have put between the criminal and my firearm before I've hit reasonable? Should it have been in a metal box? Should it have been in a metal box inside a gun safe? Should it have been behind a locked door in a metal box in my gun safe with a trigger lock on it? Is, is four enough for me to go, oh, well, I met the threshold for reasonable gun ownership? No, it should not be a, a criminal act to be the victim of a crime. If a gun is stolen, that was done by the criminal that stole the gun. It is incumbent upon gun owners to be responsible and to store them safely, but to make it a criminal violation for a gun owner who is now a victim of a theft to be prosecuted, no, that <laughs> no, that that cannot happen. <laughs> that should not happen. And no, that that will not be. Uh, it's the only crime in which the victim is allowed to be persecuted. Well, I would ask Scott, but he only has an airsoft gun, and he doesn't have That's to right. lock that I up. Nerf guns. I'm into yeah. nerf, nerf oh, guns. You can guns. put an yeah. eye out with an airsoft gun. I do gun love those nerf guns. <laughs> so I like nerf guns. I'm particularly a uh, big fan of belt-fed nerf guns. Oh, <laughs> man, those are cool. Um, well, as uh, I think Larry covered pretty much every position I have in regards to that, um, I would say uh, two things. One, um, it boils reasonable reasonable should take reasonable precautions hmm. so who decides from a legal standpoint that that was a reasonable precaution as you so eloquently said how many locks do i have to go with um let's flip that around if you want to go legal responsibility so they the statistics out of albuquerque talked about how many of these stolen guns were used in crime so obviously if you know 
that they were used in a crime, you caught them and recovered the gun. Yeah. So now, fine, let's pass a law that, that puts a sentence enhancer on the use of a stolen gun yep. in the commission of certain crimes that can't be pled away. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then place the responsibility where it belongs. On the criminal? Yeah. Oh, for criminal acts. Yeah, it's, that weird. <laughs> it's weird how that works out, doesn't it? You can't hold criminals accountable, Scott. <laughs> yeah, That's, there you go. You have to do bail reform, and they have to be released almost yeah, no. immediately yeah. because right. yeah. uh, enforcing law on criminals... That's not always completely equitable. What if I'm going into a place where I'm not allowed to carry my firearm and I throw it on the car, or throw it on the car seat and go inside? Uh, the car door is unlocked. Well, that's just you being stupid. That's you, that sounds like you got stupidity, but yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's a high level of stupidity. Um, and and to be honest with you, I would have no problem with, um, uh, I guess, it becoming known within the community that you were that idiot, but. <laughs> <laughs> Would there be any civil liability if that gun is well, stolen civil, and used? Civil liability civil can, can flow whole, everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Civil liability yeah. can be anything. I mean, you as, can't shield yourself from that. Again, you know, inside a metal box, behind a locked door, uh, in yeah, with yeah. a trigger lock, and I can still have civil liability. Right. That that's. But I mean, but all of those attempt um, can help your civil liability case. Yes. Now, it just as... Uh, yeah, laying, just laying as on the seat of my motorcycle in order to go into the post office. Can hurt your civil liability yeah. case, so yeah. So it's uh, it's not unlike uh, saying a woman dressed provocatively is asking for rape. That's, that's why I'm saying that being the victim of a gun theft is the only victim that you can shame. You can't you 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 can't you can't victim shame somebody that was raped because they made a, a series of bad choices and, and unfortunately were the victim of a crime. Yeah. And I'll be honest with you, nor should you be able. To, I don't. I don't think so either. Yeah. I don't think it's socially right yeah. to do that to yeah. shame that victim. Yeah. But it's absolutely okay to shame <clears throat> the victim of somebody stealing yeah. stealing right. a firearm. Yeah. Did you notice that that in that newspaper article they refer to essentially uh, what I would call a straw purchase? Mm-hmm. Uh, which is, is illegal? Is that, which, yeah, that's, yeah. So that's not and, illegal. And could be, you know, used. Uh, yeah, you you could pursue them because there's already laws on on the books mm -hmm. that say straw purchase is illegal. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so they're not law-abiding citizens. So, so what you're saying is, is that we could enforce our existing laws. We could we could arrest someone who was using a firearm when they're in when they're they cannot legally possess it and no. say and say they did tell us where they got the gun from, and we track that down and we actually prosecute the guy who huh. was involved in the straw purchase? That's a great idea. What? Oh, yeah. that, that would never, that'd never float. That'll never work. No, 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 no. Uh, Brian, how much time do I have left? One minute. John, if you can get it in there quickly, uh, your argument or statement, go for it. I can. So with the with the holding the gun owner responsible after the theft, it's it's comparable to this. So you're a construction worker, you've worked all your life in construction, they give you a golden hammer in your name and everything is on it in your service. Some, or, or you get a set of knives in your drawer that have your name uh, put on them because they're special high dollar uh, collector knife, uh, you know, cutlery. And somebody breaks into your house and steals that and goes out and starts bashing people in the head or starts stabbing people and killing people with a knife with your name because you didn't secure it, does that make you responsible for that crime? That's exactly the argument we're making. John, thank you, and never keep knives in your drawers. You could stab yourself. Oh, you mean dresser drawers. Okay. Quick break. We'll be back. You're listening to Gary on Guns. Hey, welcome. Glad to have you with us. It is uh, 35 minutes 
after the hour, and uh, we are joined by Larry Wayland from Modern Arms. At the Brown Station location. And Scott Van Kirk is on board with us. Good morning. Sometimes from the Brown Station location. I think I work there like twice a year. Inter- intermittent Brown yeah, Station location. Twice a year. I'm Guest a, appearances. I'm a... I'm a uh, freelance at contractor at the job. <laughs> <laughs> so when the bottom falls out, Larry, and there is nobody in the world left, you pick up the phone, Sc- give Scott a call. Scott's and- always my first call after everybody else said no. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> top of that, I'm at the top of that list. <laughs> <laughs> now, Scott's a busy guy. I hate to impose, but it's it's glad uh, I'm glad to have him around every once in a while. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, one of the most ignorant, it, it just this dumber than stupid, Uh, anti-gun analogies I have ever heard. That's coming up in just a few minutes. But first, a story. We've got this up on our webpage. A Tennessee man uh, bought a gun from a gun store and then was arrested for buying a stolen gun. Uh, 40 caliber Springfield coming back stolen, the dispatcher radioed to the sergeant. Uh, Stolen, that's what they said, the owner said. More, uh, the, the deputy said this kid said the gun was his and he bought it uh from a legal retail dealer uh, it, it it was a big box sporting goods store in Minnesota the kid got arrested uh they did due diligence and and found out that in fact that gun was legally purchased even though it came back stolen um it it's you know that's got to be a real scary uh, situation. You're you're under arrest for a stolen firearm that you purchased legally. The gun in question was bought and sold about a month. Uh, literally, they they sold this thing twice. The gun store hadn't just stolen the gun; they sold it twice. The gun in question was bought and sold back to the store a month later, then resold to this kid who got arrested. The kid who got arrested sued the store, arguing that their failures led him to being humiliated. The judge tossed the lawsuit. After all, it seems this retail outlet had absolutely no way to run the serial numbers to make sure the gun wasn't stolen. So, Larry, you buy used guns all the time. Yes, we do. Uh, in fact, you uh, you actually will let people who are you know having a tough time making bills. Uh, uh, you'll loan the money. You're you're yep. a pawn. We're licensed licensed for pawn, um, and that gets me into a um, a, a nationwide um, database that is called Leads Online. Uh, it is available to other um, retailers. I don't think you have to be pawn licensed to have access to Leads Online. But whenever we buy a gun, it automatically gets uploaded through Leads Online, which is a, a private. Um, company as i understand but it works with with law enforcement nationwide anything that's that's lost or stolen uh, and reported by serial number would be flagged in that leads online background or a uh, uh, search uh so every time we buy a gun um it does get um, vetted the, so that i can sell it with great confidence that i'm not selling a stolen gun uh so that's that's great news for us but um, not every gun retailer avails themselves of leads online, but it's it's available. I believe you know, I don't think you have to be pawn licensed to have access to it, um, and it allows uh, you know retailers to to vet those those uh, those numbers. Now I don't have a way to access the database, so what I do is I I export my purchases, 
to leads online. Anything that would be lost or stolen gets flagged and I get contacted. I've had it happen once. Uh, we had a gun shipped in uh, from a private seller in Ohio, uh, shipped to the store. I typically don't receive from private individuals. The federal law allows an individual to enclose a copy of their driver's license, ship a gun to a dealer in uh, for, for delivery. Um, I always want to receive it from a federally licensed dealer is our policy. Uh, but this one came in from an, a, a private party. <clears throat> we entered that into our system. And the hole in the system was the driver's license copy that was enclosed in the box was not the criminal that put the gun in the box. So, <laughs> the you know wow. there, there was a guy that that had to answer a lot of questions on you know on the sending in because somehow somebody had got a got a picture of their driver's license and enclosed it in the box. Uh, the firearm was returned back to a police department in Ohio, and I believe it got back to the original. Um, original loss, uh, the person that lost that or had it stolen. So there are mechanisms that allow retailers to vet those guns. But again, I can't just type in a serial number and and search it. It's it's not at the at the retail level to be able to do that. I can only imagine what this would do for law enforcement, and they probably don't want me to even ask the question. But could you call law enforcement and say, uh, "I'm looking at this firearm to purchase, and here's the serial number, and can you run it?" I don't know the absolute answer to that. I don't. You'd have I to would, ask. I would, I would sure try. Um, you yeah. know, the, the, it's worth exploring, but well, I, I don't know the answer, right? and I don't. Um, yeah, I, I just don't know. Well, something that um, that Larry's, which I was unaware of, this leads um, leads online leads online yep. um, program that you're. Uh, I assume it's a private. I assume it's a, a business. You're paid to be a member of Leads Online. Am I? Um, actually, I, I don't. Okay. Uh, it doesn't cost me anything to um, to load my load my okay oh, tr so transactions through there. Okay, but my question, my um, thought, as you were explaining that, is is if I'm buying a used firearm from any retailer. Um, I'm going to um, ask them what steps they've taken to ensure that that firearm isn't isn't in fact stolen. I'm going to ask a few clarifying questions as the customer, as the consumer, to say, "Hey, um, what when you took this gun in? How did you verify in fact that it's it's not stolen? Because I don't want to be in possession of stolen property." Yeah. Yeah, worth, I think that's worth worth, worth asking. I mean, obviously, and certainly maintaining your your yeah, purchase records, right? But I mean, uh, politely and everything yeah. else like that. But just to 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 clarify the purchase from that standpoint. And then I've got another thing about the story, but that's fine. We can do it or not. <laughs> we can do it or not. <laughs> well, my thing about the story is so, and I understand the the police officer's position. He's got a, a individual in possession of stolen property. So of course, everything indicates he has an individual. Uh, in possession of stolen property, specifically a firearm. So, yeah, the guy's going to end up getting arrested. Um, and I'm glad everything was was cleared up. What the story doesn't cover from my standpoint is I'm one of those guys, especially when I was a cop, I always dig, um, is then my next stop as the cop would have been down to Shields and said, hey, who originally sold this firearm to you? I'm yeah. going to need to see your 4473 so I can follow up the investigation and hopefully arrest the person who actually stole the gun. Right. And, th and that's why we always maintain those purchase records mm -hmm. uh, with signature and, you know, we get yeah. photo verification of who, mm -hmm. who we're dealing right. with. Um, and that's why I no longer receive from shipped in firearms like that mm -hmm. <clears throat> because 
the the federal statutes allow me to receive them that way, but I have no way of knowing that identification card has anything to do sure. with the guy that put it in the yeah, box. Because you didn't see the guy. Because I didn't see the guy. <laughs> yeah, all I ended up was yeah. was with the image of it. I'm looking at leads online now. It is uh, completely free, and it doesn't look like there's any business restrictions for... Um, so if I'm going to buy a used firearm, I can go to Leeds Online, run the serial number before I buy it? and No, no. but businesses oh. can register for free and upload their records. Okay. All right. Uh, let me get a, a phone call or two. We got a bunch of posts coming in from GaryNolan.com. And uh, first up on the phone is Gary. Gary, welcome to Gary on Guns. How are you? Yeah, doing pretty good this morning. But um, here a few weeks back, you all were talking about it was right at close to the end of the show at the end of the show and about concealed carry um i do not have a concealed carry uh license and that but it brought up a question afterwards and i haven't been able to find an answer for um i have a uh, an ar and it's in a soft side case and this case has got a handle on it like you can carry like a conventional suitcase it's got a sash where you can put it over, you know, one shoulder. And it also has uh, where you carry like a, uh, a backpack and such. If I have that gun in that case, is that considered concealed carry? If I'm walking down the street with it or wherever, out in public? Uh, it depends. <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> unfortunately, yeah. It depends, unfortunately. Um, one, is it loaded? Two... Is it a, is it a concealable weapon, which is which is defined in the statute, I believe, as a firearm less than seventeen or is it thirteen inches over uh, over overall uh, length? overall length? Um, so there's there's a, there's too many there's too many depends on that one. Um, it can be, but yeah, if it's a full size sixteen inch AR fifteen rifle, the that's no, not yeah, that's not concealed. No, yeah, it's it's a typical AR. So oh, it's a full size rifle. Yeah. No, yeah. it's, that's just yeah. a gun in a case. It's got to be unloaded. Right. Yeah. But it has to be unloaded. It does. Okay. If you're, now, if you're, if you're uh, carrying it loaded, it's not a concealable weapon, so you can't carry it loaded. It's got to be in a case. Yeah. Okay. Now, uh, define loaded to me. Is that one in the chamber, or is that with the magazine in it? Ha-ha. Depends. Depends. <laughs> <laughs> if, if there's nothing in the chamber and there's no magazine in it, it's definitely, it, it's unloaded. definitely unloaded. Yeah, that's, yeah. The, that's right. the best answer. Yeah. Got, that's the best I've answer. If I've got the, the magazine in it, but I don't have one in the chamber. That one is a what I, per, from my, my standpoint, I would consider a gray area. Mm -hmm. I could see where you might find yourself, I mean, it certainly might not work out in, in a, from a prosecution's favorable standpoint, but depending on what part of the state or depending, yeah, depending on, well, let's stay within the state, depending on what part of the state you're in, you might get hemmed up right. on that. So I go with Larry's answer. If there's not one in the chamber and there's not a magazine seated in the weapon, it definitely is unloaded. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah they'd be definitely unloaded, but yeah. Okay, that's, that, that pretty much answers my question. Thank All right, you. Gary, thank you for the call. You know, it just shouldn't be that complicated. It just should not be that kind. There should be it in any gray areas. If we followed the, the law of the Constitution, the Second Amendment, it would be so much simpler. But instead, we have all of these... Infringements? Yeah. Yes. Well, wake up, wake up, the, Gary. You're the, talking in your sleep again. The, the shall not be infringed somehow <laughs> yeah. got infringed. Yeah. That's just not right. It's insane. 
Uh, a really stupid analogy from my hometown, but first let me get uh, Michael's comment here. Uh, having my gun stolen would be terrible as well as embarrassing, but I would immediately report it as stolen. Would it be wrong to punish those who didn't report the crime? Yes, it would be wrong to punish them. Yeah, because how many? You know, how how quick do I have to know it's been stolen? What's reasonable? What's reasonable? Yeah, what's what's my reporting time? What's um, reasonable is me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. More comments coming up, and a really stupid analogy on Gary on guns. Hey, welcome. Glad to have you with us. Glad to be with you. Eight seven four ninety three ninety. The toll free number eight hundred five two nine five five seven two. Larry Wayland in from Modern Arms at the Brown Station location, and Scott Van Kirk, former law enforcement uh, firearms trainer. And, uh, well, friend of the program. Uh, adjacent to the Brown Station location. <laughs> adjacent to, but only rarely. <laughs> only rarely. Yeah, he's been known to sleep in the parking lot. He, no, uh, actually, uh, this uh, analogy uh, showed up in uh, my hometown newspaper. Um, of course, the gun on its own isn't responsible for violence. But just like we should keep cars out of the hands of drunk people... We should keep guns out of the hands of unstable people. I can't wait to hear the response to that dandy. Uh, I'll start with Scott. Uh, well, uh, that do we keep guns? Do we keep gar cars out of the hands of uh, drunkards? No, we don't. No. No, not until after we've established that they are, in fact operating them first off no not if they're just straight up drunkards and never drive a car we don't right. we don't preemptively um you know having spent a couple of years in the u.s army as a drunkard myself uh, <laughs> the, uh, um no we don't preemptively do anything we don't do the whole was it minority report was that that Tom yeah, movie years ready. ago you're talking about preemptively establishing um that there's a restriction on any number of privileges, because driving is a privilege mm -hmm. as opposed to rights, uh, either or uh, preemptively. Now, if you've been adjudicated mentally unstable, you are legally prohibited from purchasing, possessing, um, owning a firearm. That's yep. true. Um, but as a litmus test, which I think is where your wonderful hometown is headed. Stability. Stability. Stable. Stable. Someone that's stable. Who decides that? Is the same people decide reasonableness? <laughs> <laughs> that's, yeah. Or is there a different committee? There's the committee of reasonableness. Yeah. And then there's the committee of stability. And the, yeah, we got the misinformation. Misinformation uh, yeah. committee. Yeah. Um, we've got the Department of Redundancy Department. Um, we've got, I don't know. Where do we go with that? I don't know, but it seems like a, a kind of a silly argument. It's one of the dumbest things I've ever seen. Uh, you don't uh, you, you don't stop people who uh, are drinkers uh, from owning cars, yeah. or and and you don't stop. Um, it, it, it doesn't. It just it doesn't make sense. Yeah. Uh, we I, don't I, actually keep cars out of the hands of drunken people, right? I, I appreciate you uh, glossing over the fact that I admitted to being a drunkard when I was in the army. <laughs> well. <laughs> I think I think you told me once they had some of the nicest cots you ever slept under. But I, I don't know. Uh, anyway, uh, uh, there are laws against drunk driving, but it's not the same. Uh, even uh, untreated alcoholics can lawfully purchase a car. Yeah. Uh, it's, the, it's the action that they commit with the right. vehicle, depending on its legality. Yes. 
but they think this is a gotcha moment. They think this is it. We this is the argument. We finally come up with the argument. We gotta, gotcha. They, yeah. You just can't outthink this one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, it, it's it's yeah. What what is uh, what is stable on and that? And how do you keep cars out Continuum. of the hands of drunks? Uh, if somebody decides to go out uh, one night that normally doesn't drink at all, and they get schnockered and jump behind the wheel of the car, they're a drunk driver. But we have no way of knowing that until they get behind the wheel of the car and cause a problem. Well, yeah, or draw attention of law enforcement. Yeah, correct. Yeah, um, yeah. It's 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 it continues to be. It amazes me the level of preemptive action that a certain segment of the U.S. political class and population want to take in regards to a constitutional right. And here's the thing. take Just take that general argument and move it from the second to, to the, the first. first. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm afraid this guy's going to pray to the wrong God. That's right. Ooh, we've yeah. got to we've got to intervene. I'm, af- I'm afraid he's going to say the wrong thing. Oh yeah, yeah well, speech police. Spe- oh, oh wait, we, yeah. don't we, well, Department of Misinformation. I think <laughs> I think we actually yeah. we're working on the speech police right now. But yeah, it's it's 1984. It's I mean, if you want to, the the easiest way, I guess to to ever look at any of these suggestions that they make in regards to the Second Amendment is immediately just flip them to the first and say, okay, so let's do that with the First Amendment. Yeah. Why don't we go on? Let's go down the line. Let's start with the first, and then we can get to the second. So let's go ahead and apply it to the first. Apply it to the first, yeah. and see how that works. So out. is this a reasonable restriction? Reasonable restriction. So in order to pray to the God of your choice, yeah. all we need you to do right. is go down and get fingerprinted and photoed. That's right. And we're gonna um, have you pay a fee, mm-hmm. and then uh, within forty-five days, statutorily, we'll get you the permit right. if you're approved, mm-hmm. and then you can pray to the God of your choice. Yeah, yeah, that seems reasonable. It's insane. Uh, 874-9390, toll-free 800-529-5572. We've got some interesting statistics on minority ownership of firearms. And I, uh, y- y- you don't normally hear this in mainstream media, but the, but the numbers are pretty impressive. And with good reason. And there are also attached to those numbers... Uh, a, a report dealing with how they've used those firearms to protect themselves. Defensive gun use among blacks, whites, Hispanics, and American Indians. Uh, this is a, a study done by a Professor William English at uh, Georgetown University. And it's larger than most of these kinds of surveys. Uh, over 54,000 adult American respondents um, of whom uh, 16,700 personally own guns. Large sample. We'll give you the details next on Gary on Guns.